Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where readers can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their work, their life, and their inspiration. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net for more book recommendations and author interviews. Also, follow Day Beautiful on all social media, at Day Beautiful, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Wherever you want to find us, you can. Today's guest has had her fiction appear in Granta, The Kenyan Review, American Short Fiction, Narrative, and more. She is currently an assistant professor of creative writing at Seton Hall University. Her debut book, You Never Get It Back, is out now. Her name is Kara Blue Adams. Hey, Kara. How are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. So much for having me. Of course, and I always I feel I feel the need to explain that we've had a reschedule and and how kind you are for, re, for with your time because that's like amazing to me that authors will be like yeah of course let's reschedule um, so thank you so much and and I really loved your book uh, it, you you never get it back we're obviously going to talk about it um, but first let's just tell readers what is your book about yeah absolutely so um, you never get it back is a linked short story collection. And the 13 stories follow the life of one character, Kate Bishop, um, a young woman who grows up in rural Vermont and who goes on to become first an optical scientist and then a writer um, as she moves around the country. So the stories are set in Boston, um, in the Southwest, in Tucson and New Mexico, um, Mm -hmm. in Virginia, in the South. Um, And the stories mainly follow her from the age of roughly 20 into her early 30s, um, and some go back into her childhood as well. Um, And some of the kind of, I think, major themes include um, social class. She grows up um, in a kind of working class family and goes to college and um, changes social class. Um, And the question of how home forms us and then pushes us out into the world and what it means to make a life of our own um, from a vision of our own among other people. And the idea of a linked short story, I do want to start there because when I talk to people about it who don't understand books and literature, they're like, why is it not just a novel? So I'll ask that question. If it's all about the same character, why is it not a novel? Why is it linked short stories? <laughs> um, I love that question actually, because I really love the short story form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really beautiful form. It does something that the novel um, typically doesn't do in some ways. Um, and so each short story is really its own little world. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we're talking about a longer story like the ones Alice Monroe writes that really are like a novel compressed into 20 or 30 pages or um, a very brief story that's almost like prose poetry like something Lydia Davis or Amy Hempel or Anne Beattie might write that's just perhaps a single paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was interested in this book in exploring the story form because it's one I love. I also spent some time as an editor at the Southern Review mm. um, publishing short stories. So I spent just many years reading them and loving them. Um, and I wanted to try out all the different things a story could do. You know, very mm-hmm. small story, a much longer story, a fabulous story. I love um, Kafka and Calvino and Bartholomew as much as I love um, realist writers like Jhumpa Lahiri and Edward P. Jones. So there's one story in the collection that's a fabulous story. So um, the chance to work with the form um, was, you know, as an artist, exciting to me. It's something I love to read as well. And then I think of, um, I really love the linked story collection as a form as well, Mm -hmm. because it sort of um, gives you a chance to shine a light 
on different moments in the character's life that you're interested in exploring that are crucial that aren't necessarily connected causally through plot in the way that they typically would be in a novel. And you can also sometimes veer a little bit to the side and explore a different character's perspective or um, tuck in something that maybe wouldn't be quite as home in a novel. Although some novels are experimental, mm -hmm, are a little mm -hmm. bit more fragmented. So, you know, I love novels um, that take those risks as well. Um, sure. But the collection form, I think, is just um, great in that way. And like going back to when you started writing what became this linked short story collection, what was the first Kate Bishop story? Did it make it into this? Um, it did. In fact, the first Kate Bishop story is this, the story, the second story in the collection, the one that really begins her storyline, um, the title story, You Never Get It Back. Mm. What made you keep revisiting her as a character and, and, and to eventually get enough stories to do a Link Short Story collection? Well, you know, I'd been writing stories for quite some time, just thinking about the form before I started to think about a book. And so then I brought together all the stories I had. By the time the book came out, I think I'd written and published maybe 20 short stories. So in theory, enough for two books maybe, but I wanted the book that I put together to feel cohesive to the readers and really to be sort of the, the best of the individual stories and the best together. And so at some point I showed a collection of stories to some friends, some early readers um, that was not explicitly linked. And um, some readers said, yeah, that's great. The themes, the voice, those are enough to hold the stories together. But two other readers said it would be really interesting to work with this character, Kate Bishop, because some of the other characters and other stories are a bit like her. So what if you in fact revise toward making those stories about her? And that really seemed like an exciting idea to me. And so at that point I revised some older stories and then I started to write some new stories involving her and some of the other characters who it had been really fun to see her um, in the room with. Yeah, that's so interesting. I. So most of these stories were they published then? I know I should have I should know this. Were they published in like collect in in a lit mags or anything like that? A lot of them have been published. Okay. Before. Yeah. So when you decided, so I just want to get the timeline right because they were being published. So the idea was always to get them into one collection as a link short. So like eventually, once you started retooling them. In some cases, they were published before this um, book became apparent to me. Yeah. So in some cases, you can find an earlier version of a story in which there's a character who's very similar to Kate Bishop, but isn't yet Kate Bishop. So some of those stories were first published and then revised. Yeah. Yeah. And and I find like one of my favorite novels, or not novels, she calls it a novel and stories, which I guess it's similar to a link short story collection, but um, Crooked Hallelujah by Kelly Jo Ford a similar arc where she was just telling similar th like these themes were all the same these characters were all similar so why not make it the same character the same family um so i just love to hear that like your book it really just blew me away with just like how like and you talked a lot about form at the beginning and that's what really like, interests me just the idea of what you've played with throughout the whole thing um yeah other than form what else interests you in story writing in, in the short story itself? What what can it do outside of form that a novel can't necessarily? A short story I think of as being um, 
almost sort of on a spectrum between the novel and um, a poem. Mm -hmm. Because like um, a poem, a short story um, relies so much on concision and on sentence level writing. And it can sometimes be, um, you know, it, it can ask the reader to slow down and to really exist within its parameters for a little bit longer or perhaps a little bit more patiently sometimes than a novel. A novel often works in an accretive way over many, many, many pages. Whereas a short story really needs to distill just the most important moments and to get the, the sound and the musicality of the sentence right. Mm -hmm. And I noticed R.O. Kwan blurb the book and she is very much on like the sentence level. I know she loves how a sentence sounds. And so that makes sense that you come from a similar ideology of writing. Um, I do want to go into your background a little bit, not to change abruptly, but uh, I lived in Arizona for a long time. I lived in Phoenix, not Tucson. I know you studied in Tucson at the University of Arizona and stories are set there. You also lived in Maine briefly. Is that correct? I spent time or, there, but I never at, oh, actually, listen. I did. I lived there for a summer once. Yeah. I also, my father lives there and I worked at summer camps while I used to be a teacher. So anyway, this is just me being like, wow, Arizona and Maine, what are the odds? Um, you talked about place a little bit. Was that always something you were writing even back then before you had moved around a lot? Or is that, is that become of interest after like your, your life has progressed? Um, I think the latter, you know, growing up in New England, going to college in New England, and then living in Boston after college, um, it took me a while to see New England as a distinct place and really set of places. Vermont's culture is very different from Massachusetts's culture, for example. Um, so moving to Arizona, to Tucson, really allowed me the distance, I think, to both see it and then become more curious about it. And as I moved around, that happened for place after place. I, once I left it, I could see it a little bit more clearly. And it's really breathtaking to me just how big our country is and how different geographically and culturally it is. And so that became something I really wanted to think about in the book, just putting all of those places um, together in the collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have lived, I born in Pennsylvania, lived in Arizona, lived in Atlanta, lived in Maine, Colorado, I'm in Colorado now. And it's so, you're right. It's just, it's mind boggling that we are the same country, not even geographically, just culturally. Like I, I, how my father talks now that like he's been in Maine only like 10 years, is like completely different. He says things that I'm like, what are you talking about? This is not <laughs> how you ever talked for the, you know, 57 years or whatever I've known you. Um, I'm not, not that I've known him 57 anyway, but yeah. And, 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 and your novel does play with, play with place a lot or not novel, your short story collection. See, it's just, I will call it a novel because <laughs> I want to call it a novel because I'm lazy. Um, yeah, anyway, so so place, tone, all these things, it's so interesting. And, and, and what do you hope readers take away from your, your book? Is it the idea of place? Is there more that you hope that they kind of take away other than that, other than the character? What do you hope readers when they stop you never get it back will be like oh I get it um an alternate title for the book was actually vision and the book deals so much with um, both sight and looking at the world and a person's vision for his or her or their own life 
artistic vision, um, and then just that question of what you desire and what that's going to mean about the life that you make. Um, and so I think I hope that readers are left um, with that question, um, seeing how it plays out in Kate's life and perhaps thinking about their own life in those terms too. Yeah. And that's a story in the third section, correct? Yes. Exactly, yeah. This is like a more, I guess, technical question of some sort of the book making process. Are you always of the opinion that this had to be a title of one of your stories as well? Or were there other ideas you had? Um, no, and in fact, um, a collection I really love that won the same um, prize was part of the Iowa Short Fiction Award series is Ryan Hardy's collection, Bring Me Your Saddest Arizona, um, a book I just really love. And that title, I believe, comes not from um, one of the stories titles in the collection, but from the interior of one of the stories. So I actually like that um, when a title comes from somewhere a little different, or maybe when it doesn't even appear in the, the book itself, that can be really interesting. Um, so I tried out a few different titles as I was um, thinking about what I had collected, what the themes were. Um, and so Vision was one and You Never Get It Back was another. And then also At the Wrong Time to the Wrong People, which is the title of another story. Um, I love that as a title. Um, but finally, I felt like You Never Get It Back really gets at this sort of, um, sort of elegiac quality. Um, and the very first story is called I Met Lost the Other Day. And I think the book is also thinking about moving through life as a process of necessarily losing things as life changes. And that in a way is what it means to make something new and to move forward. That's also thinking about craving and desire and longing and how the things that we spend time with in our minds, the things that we long for, acquire their own sort of ghostly presence in our lives. Um, and so presence and absence were also something on my mind. And so you never get it back, just kind of spoke to all of that um, in the way that I hoped would echo through the book. Mm -hmm. And now, because I'd like to shift topics rapidly to keep listeners on their toes, I want to talk about just the, the career, the, the writing career of how this book got published. So it is on University of Iowa Press. It is an award, it, it won the John Simmons Award for Short Fiction. Um, I guess talk reader or listeners through that because uh, it's it's traditionally published, but it's not a traditional path to get published. Um, how did all this unfold? Why go this route instead of how the other route many people go? Yeah, um, you know, I've always loved small presses and university presses. Um, having worked at the Southern Review, a literary magazine for five years, I just, I really love and respect publications that don't have to ask the same questions that big five publishers have to ask. Um, and I say that with respect and love. Some of my friends are editors of the big five. They do amazing, incredible work, but that's really the intersection of art and commerce. That's where they're existing. Um, whereas small presses and university presses, the only question I had to ask myself as an editor ever was, do I love this story? And do I want to bring it to readers? I never had to ask, how will I sell this? <laughs> um, I would go to conferences and do exactly that and tell people why I love the work I'd published and who they should be reading, including R.O. Kwan, for example. I had the pleasure of publishing two of her stories um, in the Southern Review. 
Um, and so when I went to publish my own collection, I knew that, you know, it's really, it's tough to publish these at the big five um, publishers because, you know, they, they ask and not without reason, you know, what will the challenges be with marketing a short story collection? Every story asks the reader to enter a new space imaginatively. And so people sometimes say, well, it should be so easy to sell a collection because people have short attention spans. You can read stories quickly. That's true, but a novel is much easier to dip into for a few pages, put down, dip into again. There's something rigorous or demanding as well as really pleasurable about a story. So knowing that, and then seeing that Brandon Taylor was judging this prize, um, and it was a prize that had been awarded to some writers I really love, Ryan Hardy um, and Janine Capo-Crusette um, among them. Um, and I knew that I really admired Brandon's work and he really loves um, Mavis Gallant and Alice Monroe and Emma Klein and some of the other writers I really love. And so I thought this might be the place for the collection. It would be, it would be so meaningful to me personally if the collection came out that way. And one of the deep pleasures of publishing this book has been that I've really gotten to be involved the whole way through. Um, and for example, I really love a um, designer named Nicole Caputo, head of design at Catapult. And so I asked her if she would consider designing the cover for my book. And she said, yes, which was just amazing. And I got to talk to her about my vision for the book and covers I loved. And I love the cover that she designed. She read the book. She thought about the stories deeply and she designed the cover I didn't know to imagine, but that I'd always wanted for the book. So things like that were just yeah. incredibly special. Um, now that you've won this award, uh, has, has it opened up career paths? Like I know the books, we're recording this, the book's not even out yet, but like like now it's, oh, you've won this award, it's on UI for press. Like has it kind of opened doors or not yet? Is that still even something that happens after a, a book is published like this? I think that it has opened doors. Um, and I will say that before the book came out, I already had a really stellar agent, um, Claudia Ballard mm -hmm. at WME, whose taste I've loved for a long time. Um, she read my stories in magazines. She wrote to me, um, we've been working together. She's been incredibly generous, really helpful through the process and just supportive of whatever I want to write, <laughs> um, including short stories, <laughs> yeah. challenges. Um, and yeah, I kind of wondered, well, you know, how much will things change? Because I've made a life as an editor and a professor. Yeah. I've been publishing stories in magazines for years. Um, and, and so I guess I didn't expect things to change that much. Um, but I think um, already I've had the chance to do interviews with publications about my work that mm -hmm. um, the book coming out has given people an occasion for. I did one at the Center for Fiction. I'm talking to bomb and book forum and publications I love and really respect and um, with writers who have um, similar taste, um, which has been great just to find like-minded people and to have a chance to talk about my work in a um, slightly more, um, you know, public way has been really meaningful. Um, we'll see what it means in terms of the next book. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I also think that um, financial support can come from all sorts of places for writers and artists including grants, including teaching opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I've also tried to sort of separate out in my mind a bit the question of 
financing the art and, and the question of making the art available um, to a reading public. Definitely. Yeah, I always like to discuss the idea of writing as the art, publishing as the business. And, uh, and, or it's, and it's super interesting, like just watching debut authors over the past three years since I've been doing this navigate that, like in live time. Because oftentimes I'm people's first interview. Like I think publish, publicists will throw people to me as like the test, <laughs> which is fine. I like it. Um, but I just read a review of the podcast on some random website. And it was like, it's interesting to hear like the, and the, the, the person said, it's interesting to hear like the writers in live time, like figuring out what their staple answer is going to be. I was like, yeah, that is, that's fair. Cause we ask the same questions all the time. Every, everyone asks the same questions. Um, I'll transition to ending with asking what inspires you? What books you, throughout the whole conversation, you talked about short story writers that have inspired you, but are there recent books that have just like knocked you on your, on your couch and you're like, wow, I, this is, this was amazing. Yes. Um, and I really love this question because I love to urge people to read the books that I love. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, That's why I created Day Beautiful. It's strictly so people could be like, oh, this is what Adam's reading. So, yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of books that I've really loved recently um, include Optic Nerve by Maria Gainza, an Argentine writer. And um, that was brought out by Catapult, a, a small um, press and indie press that I really love and think is doing exceptional work. Um, the story is so Maria Gaines is an Argentine writer. She's writing about a woman in those, it's really novel and stories. So in those stories, an Argentine woman who's an art critic and they have a sort of essayistic quality and they deal with um, art as well as the woman's personal life. Really interesting, innovative, effective um, stories. And then Cities I've Never Lived In by Sarah Majka which was also um, on a small press. It was a collaboration between a public space and Grey Wolf. And those are linked stories about a young woman from New England. They're mainly set in Maine, um, but the stories deal with art and poverty, intellectual life. Some are fantastical, some are realist. I think she's one of our very best story writers and she's someone who hasn't quite gotten the public attention that I would hope that she ultimately will get yet. So. I love to encourage people to read her. And then two books on big presses, 20 Grand Stories of Love and Money by Rebecca Curtis, um, great story writer, um, also from New England. And then Want, which is a novel by Lynn Steger Strong, um, set in New York that deals with um, money and economic precarity um, that I thought was really penetrating and timely and just felt utterly real and a really urgent book. Mm-hmm. And a question I forgot to ask and, and is, are short stories, short stories are going to be in your future, I'm assuming. Is a, is a full-length novel, is a more traditional long-form prose in your future, or will you stick to stories, do you think? I do want to, um, actually, let me start that again. <laughs> I've written, I've written actually, um, I've written drafts of two um, full-length um, books that are not stories. One is a book-length lyric essay collection that's about climate change and the question of whether to become a parent. Um, and then the other is um, a novel. And so I'm hoping that next I can um, revise both of those and um, yeah, and see what 
who might be interested. Well, that's so exciting. Yes, I, you, it's funny, you mentioned Nicole, the person who designed it. I think, weirdly enough, that's how I first found out about your book. Not the fact that you won an award that was judged by Brandon Taylor, who I'm not so secretly obsessed with. Um, but yes, and so it's it's so interesting how people find books. Like, hopefully people listen to your recommendations and find them. Hopefully people hear Nicole and they're like, oh, what else did she design? It's just so beautiful how people find books. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. So I'm glad you've reached out to her. I'm sure I'd have heard of your book eventually, but I definitely had it on my radar because she posted about it, which is just wild. I love knowing that. She also designed a cover for Lydia Conklin's forthcoming book, Rainbow Rainbow. Rainbow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful cover. And Lydia is an amazing story writer. So that's another yeah. one I'm looking forward to. I'm excited. I, uh, I've read it. Um, I'm putting out in early December. Will it be out by the time this podcast is out? I don't know what time is anymore. I'm putting out like 12 debuts. You should pre-order right now. And Rainbow Rainbow is one of them. It's gorgeous. I love everything about it. So, yeah. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I was just, I, I, I have, yes. Anyway, I am just stumbling to the ending here. Kara Blue Adams, where can we find you on the internet? Where should we find you? Um, you can find me on my website, caraflu.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, um, and my handle is just my full name. Thank you so much to Cara Blue Adams for joining the Day Beautiful podcast today. You can find Day Beautiful at daybeautiful.net, on all of the social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam, this is Day Beautiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.